Welcome back to the 32nd episode of Closer Mentality. I'm your host, Julia Mellent. For today's guest, Sam Carey, their journey to the University of Iowa began in childhood. Carey, a rambunctious, excitable child, was pushed into sport by her parents as a way to diffuse some energy. The joke going around my family is uh, I was way too competitive as a child and they needed me to channel that into something that was good for me. Um, uh, No one in my family has ever been an athlete before. And so it was just kind of something that fit right for me. Um, So I grew up playing soccer, a bunch of other sports as well here and there, but soccer was always the one that stuck for me. Um, I have actually been a defender my whole life. A lot of that was because of that innate competitiveness. Um, I'm really gritty, aggressive. I like to compete. And so defenders always been like a good role for me, um, which has been really awesome. And yeah, so growing up playing soccer, um, uh, luckily like my dream was always to play division one as most people's are. And I wanted to play in a big conference. That was the goal. Both my parents went to big 10 institutions. So for me, I wanted to see if I could do that as well at a high level. Um, soccer recruiting happens really early. Um, and there's been some rules now that I've delayed it a bit, but for when I was doing it, I was going on college visits my freshman year of high school trying to figure out where I would want to go what I want to navigate and I guess about halfway through that you realize like these big institutions that I had dreamed of going at for so long were actually looking at me as well and I was good enough to actually do it which was really exciting obviously so yeah going through the process I looked at a bunch of different schools and Iowa just always fit right for me I fell in love with the coaching staff here it's the right distance away from home I love the community I love the campus and yeah so And I ended up coming to Iowa, and it was really great, and I've been here ever since. The St. Charles, Missouri native was on a local club team during high school, but it wasn't creating the opportunities that she envisioned. She asked her parents if she could switch clubs to the larger, more well-known St. Louis Scott Gallagher, which was repeatedly placing girls in Division I opportunities. In seventh grade, I made the leap to go from that small town to the biggest club in the state of Missouri that I knew could get me that D1 offer. And when I made that leap, all of a sudden I'm going against girls who are more technical, faster, stronger, because they've played at this level that I haven't played at. And immediately I found myself being like, I need to work so much harder to get to where they're at. Even though in seventh grade, when I switched this team, I was on the starting lineup for that team. So it wasn't like I was like underperforming, but in my head, I was like, I didn't come from the same background that they did. So I spent my whole time on that club team, like fighting and finding myself feeling the need to like always prove I'm better because I don't come from the same rich background that these girls come from. I don't come from the same fancy club team with the fancy coaches that these girls come from. And I feel like that gave, like the one thing that really gave me was my edge and my competitiveness. Like I'm going to be grittier. I'm going to grab you. I'm going to foul you because I might not be as good on the ball, but I can push you down. And that kind of gave me my identity as a soccer player. And that's ultimately what Iowa and other coaches recruited me for was because they saw that I'm this girl who was not afraid to shove anyone down. Um, And that became my identity on the field. And so I kind of rolled with that. And like, that was the empowering thing to me was like, yeah, I might not be as technical as good of a player, but I'm going to shove you down. And so when I came to Iowa, I like, once again, I'm like, well, now I'm three steps back. Like it's like seventh grade all over again. So I'm like, I need to find my edge. And that once again came in the aggressive fouls, the going in hard and not the actual learning how to play soccer. And it took me until honestly now, like this summer and going into my junior year and realizing like I can do both. Like I can be this aggressive player that my label is, but I can also be a very talented, skillful player. And I don't need to rely on just being able to hit people to the ground. And so I think a lot of it was understanding like 
I always had that underdog mentality of like everyone's here and I'm here. So how do I rise up? And understanding that that didn't always have to be from aggressiveness, but I liked my underdog mentality because I feel like that once again, fought the complacency. Like there was always a next step and a next goal of where I'm going. When she got to St. Louis Scott Gallagher and began making a name for herself as a left back, the Division I schools came out of the woodwork. I was especially looking in the Midwest. I knew that's especially where I wanted to be. And so I had um, other offers and I had reached out to Wisconsin, Purdue, and then being from Missouri, um, Mizzou and a couple down south schools such as Vanderbilt and um, a couple schools on the West Coast such as Pepperdine and UC San Diego. It was the Iowa coaching staff that drew Carey to the Hawkeyes. David Diani, now in his eighth season as head coach of the program, made Carey feel seen. At 15 years old, she made the decision to come to Iowa City. And that's definitely the reason why I'm here is I love our coaching staff. Um, one thing I really like is that um, out of our coaching staff, we have three males and one female and all the guys are dads. And I think that really resonates with us as student athletes because like they treat us as a second family. We're not just their players, we're their family. And I really feel that. Um, I feel like I could go cry in my coach's office about my boyfriend and I breaking up and he would be there to hand me a box of tissues. It's not just a professional relationship. It's a personal one as well, which really stood out to me. Um, another thing I really just noticed about Iowa was it went on to a lot of the recruiting talks. Um, I'm a left footed player, which is a bit of a rarity in soccer. And a lot of coaches would be like, yeah, you have such a great left foot. You have a really good cross. But at Iowa, it was more of you're a leader. You have a good personality. Like we think you'll fit in in our program. So it's a bit more personalized instead of just seeing me as a left foot. They saw me as a human. And that really just drew me to it was a place where I knew I would be valued and that where I'd belong. Diani saw that tenacity from a 15 year old carry and needed her on his roster. What he didn't realize was that the work ethic that he saw exhibited had begun a decade prior. You know, like, as soon as I got an award, my mom and I joke about this now, but she was like, I never wanted you to get complacent. And so when I'd get an award, she'd be like, oh, but you need to work harder. And that kind of like programmed my brain in a way of being like, well, I'm not good enough. Like I need to keep working. And I like, I think it made me the soccer player I became because I don't believe in complacency at this point. Like there's always a higher goal, but I also never really celebrated what I was at. I always was immediately searching for that next level. So when I got to Iowa for me, the goal was like, I am going to start as a freshman. That was the goal. And in order to do that, I actually graduated high school semester early. So I got to Iowa in January of 2019. And immediately I found myself in a spot where I was thrown into the starting lineup, which was unreal and like, just felt like so much was paying off. But for me, instead of taking like a step back and celebrating that moment, I like, that's where the pressure really started seeping in. And first time being away from home, being four hours away from mom and dad, like navigating a college campus, doing college classes when all my friends are doing their senior year of high school, kind of joking off in their last semester. Like all that kind of started to build inside me. And that first semester was definitely one of the first times I like actually felt myself like not being able to rise to the occasion. What I kind of realized is through my life growing up, like I loved competing. I didn't necessarily love soccer. And so I loved getting there and I loved being able to see myself work hard and get better through that. And I liked the external recognition I got from the hard work. Um, and it became when I was older in high school that I actually started falling in love with the sport of soccer and not just the rewards I could get from soccer. And so um, going into my freshman year of college, I found myself still looking for that external recognition of like my coach coming up to me and saying, hey, like you played great today. Or my mom texting me after the game being like, wow, like you did really well. Instead of myself being like, man, like I crushed that. 
um, and like playing for myself and my joy instead of looking for that recognition. And so once I got to college, that doesn't happen anymore. Like all of a sudden, you know, your coach come up to you after like, it has to be a seriously good game to get that recognition. Um, Cause I mean, there's different athletes in the level and the caliber is so much higher. And so for me, like, that's when I started realizing, I'm like, I'm playing for not the right reasons. Like I'm playing because I guess I'm good at this and I enjoy being good at something, not because I'm actually enjoying what I'm doing. And I really had a moment, I'm like, do I enjoy what I'm doing? And I like thought about it for a really long time. And like, I love soccer. I love competing. I love fighting, but I didn't use it for the right reasons at the time. And so like, after that point, it kind of took a mental switch in my head up. I'm playing for me and I'm playing to have fun for myself. And I don't care what anyone says to me after a game. Cause in my gut, I know if I did good, and I did bad and what I need to do to improve. And so I definitely switched from an extrinsic motivation to an intrinsic motivation. Recognizing that even at a big 10 school, she wasn't feeling emotionally fulfilled had an enormous impact on Carrie. That's when the anxiety began. I was probably only halfway through my first semester when I first started feeling it. And then the times where the like anxiety really started overcoming me was my first fall Big Ten season. So I had gotten through my first semester of college. I'd played 10 exhibition games with the team, but they didn't really count for anything. We had a very good team that year, um, but you know, it didn't really count. So I was like, okay, like, yeah, I'm a freshman playing, but like everyone's playing because they're exhibition games. So who knows? And then I remember that that fall, so my technical first freshman fall, um, I found my name on the starting lineup again. And I remember I had a sit down meeting with my coach during preseason because my coach could tell I was second guessing things. And he pulled me aside and he was like, why do you think you're our starting left back? And I was like, I got lucky and fell in the right shoes. And he's like, no, like Sam, like you're good enough. Like you're our best left back. And he's like, stop second guessing yourself and stop playing this game that you think you're not. Like you need to understand that you are good and that's why we're choosing you. And it's not because of some luck or something. And like, that was my first wake up call that other people could see the second doubt like that I had going on in my head. Cause that was something I had been second doubting the whole like fall. When coach Diani confronted Carrie about the visible doubt, it marked the first time anyone had ever inquired about the internal pressures that she as a freshman was going through. I've always been told I'm someone that wears my emotions on my sleeves. Um, and you can see exactly what I'm seeing on my face. So I think as much as I thought I was playing off this cool, confident, no one knows, like I'm, I'm the chillest person in the room. Like I think everyone could see I was panicking on the inside. And another thing is just with soccer, you can tend to see anxiety and stuff like that come up in play. Um, so whether you're confident, I'm like, I'm going to drive this girl 1v1, I'm going to beat her, or I'm going to take three touches and then look up and not find any options and get flustered and lose the ball. And so I found myself like overthinking decisions in the field, like, which is like, I've been a left back since I was six years old. Like I know how to play left back. And when I got to the college level, I had been at college for a semester. Like they knew what my caliber was. So all of a sudden in the fall, like they, like I reverted back. And so I think that's what really showed people that like, okay, something's going on. That's more than just her body. It's like something's in her head. And that's like, when it really came out to people, it was like, Hey, like, are you okay? Cause like, you're not yourself. The confident air that Carrie thought she was carrying was flushed out when the coaching staff affirmed that she belonged. That extrinsic motivation was exactly what she needed in order to properly assume her starting position. But it didn't end there. As one of the youngest players on the Hawkeye roster, Carrie came in as a starter, but never felt like she could relate to her teammates. It was a lot of my coaching staff because I was in a weird spot of, I had graduated early, like I said, and there was only one other girl who had done that. 
but we were in very different positions on the team. Like at this point, I was the one freshman who was starting, who was in consideration to get a lot of minutes, whereas most other freshmen weren't. On top of that, they're all trying to figure out college for the first time, which is when I like had already done there. Um, but I didn't really have close enough relationships with like the upperclassmen on the team. They didn't know me well enough to know like what my normal is. And so like my closest friends were going through something that was completely different than me. And I wasn't close enough to other people for them to even notice. And so a lot of it did come down to my coaching staff, but a couple of my friends could tell like I was building up the pressure and though they couldn't necessarily relate, like there was a lot of late nights in the dorm rooms where I was just like, I'm not good enough to be here. And they're like, what are you talking about? Like, you need to stop thinking like that because that's only reflecting in your play. Carrie struggled to feel like she had a group of sisters around her during that freshman fall. She lacked self-confidence. But instead of facing it head on and diligently working to build that confidence back up, it manifested in a significantly different way. In those early stages where I'm like, I'm not good enough. It wasn't like I grew the inner confidence in myself to be like, wow, I am good enough and I am this great soccer player. It became a game of I'm going to prove these people wrong. And so instead of finding the inner confidence of being like, I don't care what these people think. I know I'm good. It was, well, screw you. I'm going to prove you wrong. And so it became, instead of like finding that healthy mindset of once again, playing for myself and my joy, it became playing for a vengeance and playing for revenge, um, which worked for me because it was an external motivating factor of, you know, I'm going to run this extra rep because I'm going to prove you wrong. And I'm going to, you know, do this extra thing because you don't think I can. However, at the same time, like that almost created the unhealthy mindset of, I need someone to doubt me for me to go forward. Um, so I think when it came to college, like I had these very supportive coaches and I had a supportive team that wanted me to succeed. And I was like, wait, where's this, where's my doubters? Like, I need to find the people that don't think I'm good enough. And looking back now, like that's just not obviously the mentality to have, to have a happy stress-free because when I started feeling that anxiety, it was building, I'm like, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And like, it was almost like I wanted my body to fight back and be like, yeah, but I'm going to prove all these people that I am. Instead of like being like, you know what, I'm a good soccer player, I know. And like growing that inner confidence with good self-talk and how I hold myself and knowing I'm good. And instead of like just relying on the need to prove people wrong. That's when Carrie knew that she needed to fix her brain, rewire her perspective. That's when she got well acquainted with the University of Iowa Sports Psychology Department. At first, seeking help was an action that Carrie perceived as weakness. It wasn't easy to admit that an unsurmountable mindset wasn't easily managed. She became stressed, but when she finally saw it as a step toward personal growth, sports psychology began to change her life. You know, I have been told my whole life, whether that be from my parents or my previous coaches, that being mentally strong means showing no emotion. And when you are at your mental toughness, no one can tell like what you're thinking in your head. And so for me, admitting that I needed to see help showed I was weak. And I couldn't do that because I've always been told I'm so mentally strong. So why would I need to go ask for help? I don't need to ask for help. And that became the biggest debate I've ever had in my life was it being allowing myself to admit that someone else could make me stronger because I've been told my whole life, like I need to be the strongest person in the room and to be like, how, if I can't even control my own emotions, how am I not strong? So a therapist is going to help me because I'm strong enough and I can do this. And so I really think, yeah, like you said, like pushing for physical, I completely neglected any mental side of the game. Because to me, the only mental side of the game was, oh, can you handle pressure? Like, are you good in tough scenarios? And it's not actually the 
self-confidence and anxiety or anything like that. It's just being mentally strong. And so it took me so long to be able to break down that wall and that barrier and be like, maybe seeking help will help my game. And on top of that, then I went to talk to one of the sports psychologists and one thing they recommended was like um, anti-anxiety medication. And that took me another three or four months to be able to accept because I was like, no, like, I mean, yeah, sure, I can talk to you and yeah, I've seen success, but anti-anxiety medication is not the answer because I'm strong enough. Like doing this, I feel better. I feel talking better talking to a therapist. So I don't need, I don't need that. And it took me so long to understand that like, this was something that was at the end of the day going to benefit my game. And it didn't matter whether like I had to get help or if it was from myself, like it was making me a better soccer player. Carrie had to redefine what mentally tough meant. No longer was she accepting of avoidance as toughness. She was willing to face her triggers head on. For me, I think the definition of mental toughness is being able to go down to your core and be able to accept what you need. Being mentally strong is the ability to be vulnerable with yourself and others. And it's the ability to really look in yourself and reflect on what may benefit you in the future and being able to seek out and find those things. And for me, like being able to look inward and being able to like look at myself and once again, get through that hard exterior was something I never did. It was something that was so scary to me. And so being able to really look inward and grow from that, um, that's the mental toughness is being able to accountability in yourself and look inward and help. Carrie found herself reevaluating her skill once more when she came back to campus in 2020 as a sophomore. That preseason, I remember like going to practice and being so overwhelmed with the fact that now I'm a sophomore on the team. So freshman year, I had pressure on me to not be like the failure freshman to ruin it for seniors. And that was a lot. But now I'm going into my sophomore year, where as a sophomore, I'm a leader on the team. I've played one of the most minutes out of everyone on the team. So people are now looking at me and I still don't know what I'm doing. And now I have this expectation of what do I, like, what am I going to be? Like, I need to lead this team as a sophomore. I need to be the best defender possible. At this point, like I had had conversations with my coaches about my life beyond Iowa and hoping to play pro and play the next level. And I'm like, well, if I'm the person that my coaches think is going to go pro, like, I have to be good enough. And then every day and every tackle, I have to be the best out there. There's no question. And for me, that broke me because every day I remember that first week of preseason, like whether I'd have a good practice or not, I'd come home and I'd like just waddle up and cry. And I was starting to have panic attacks because like I was replaying every single minute of every practice over and over again in my head being like, well, I just, I had a bad touch of this one passing pattern out of one in 30 reps, I had one bad touch. Like it was, I was replaying every mistake over and over to a point where like preseason, we'd go to practice, you know, we'd go home, shower, and we'd have the rest of the day to do whatever we needed to do. And I did not enjoy it. I did not spend any time with my teammates. Like I didn't, you know, I had just moved into a new house. I didn't spend any time decorating the house. Like it was, I was in my room freaking out about soccer and about my future. And all of a sudden this one bad pass I had at practice meant I wasn't going to go pro. And that was to the extremes I was thinking in my head. And so once I had gotten to this point where I was like, okay, like this is not helpful. Like this is not, and if I keep on this path, I'm not even going to make it through the season. Like I'm going to end up hating soccer. I'm going to end up hating myself. I'm going to end up quitting. Um, and that's not something I'm okay with doing because I know how much this game means to me and so at that point I remember I this was a hard phone call for me because my mom my whole life had had this like she was the one that really helped instill mental toughness in me meaning like I had to be stronger and I remember calling my mom and I'm like I just can't do this like this is not benefiting me anymore 
And I was like, I think I need to go see someone. And she was like, I think you do too. Because she's like, the way you've been talking to me after every practice, like this isn't beneficial. And so eventually then I was able to reach out to Iowa Sports Psychology and work with them for the semester, which just helps so much and being able to realize like one bad practice doesn't mean I'm not gonna go pro and understanding that these extremes that I was putting myself through were just completely outrageous and it helped me grow as a person and as a player, absolutely. What the Iowa sports psychologists dug out of Carrie were a few personality traits that didn't quite mesh with the success she was hoping to have as a leader on the team. So a lot of it was at first we started like going back about like why I think I go to the extremes of I went to and I went into, you know, the pressures I put on myself since childhood and always, you know, being like, haha, like I'm going to prove you wrong mentality. And I like just talking through it and saying those words out loud, because those are words I probably hadn't said to anyone before, like made me realize how unhealthy that behavior was. And so I think the first of it was like for me just to say it out loud, like I was able to reflect on the fact that I'm like this clearly is not something that's beneficial. Um, and then from there, it just became like little things like they just gave me tips and tricks on like what I could do. So after like I went to practice, I would do my practice and whether it was a good practice or not, as soon as I left the Iowa soccer facility, I was done thinking about practice. Like I couldn't, you know, overthink it. Cause like I said, I would just never leave my bed cause I'd overthink it so much. And I like made myself and like, I had a code word in my own brain. So anytime I caught myself like thinking about soccer, I would literally say out loud, like pineapple. Like it was the stupidest thing. But to me, once it's a final, I was like, no, like we're done. Like we're not talking about this. We're moving on. And like, luckily I had a lot of support from my roommates and my boyfriend and other people in my life to be like, if I'd start talking about practice, they're like, no, Sam, you're not, you're not doing that. Like we're, we said, we're not doing this, um, which was so helpful just to like clear my mind from soccer. One of the triggers she found hit pretty close to home, especially for a girl who loved to compare herself to her past self and others. On top of that, like I'm a kind of person I do love watching film and I like doing a breakdown and, you know, analyzing that. And as much as film could be beneficial for me at that time in my life, it wasn't because I would watch myself make a mistake and I'd hit like rewind and rewind and rewind. Just keep watching myself make that mistake over and over again. And so I like I, I'm back to watching film now and I know like how to do it and how to balance it well and look at, yes, things I did wrong, but also like overlooking the things I did really well. But at the time, I just would not let myself watch film because I knew it would fester into these thoughts and these ideas. And then I went really stereotypical with it and I took post-it notes and I hung them all around my room with different things of like, it's okay to show emotions and you're strong. And I went through and I listed some of my biggest achievements that I've had through soccer and through life and I hung them around my room. And every morning I would go and I'd read them. And I'd be like, okay, like these are all the things like you're a great person and you, you're a great soccer player and like things like that, just small things really helped instill the confidence that I have in myself. When Carrie watched film with the rest of the Hawkeyes team, she found it difficult to even watch herself on the pitch. When she was alone, it became an obsession. I made a point to look at every outside back except myself. Um, because I just didn't want to look at the mistakes that I made. And sure, there was definitely some times where the mistake that the coach was pointing out was mine. And so I wasn't able to completely avoid it. But also, this was something that my coaches didn't notice was, so the software that we have to watch film, the coaches can see what players watch film, how many times they've watched it, how much time they spent on film. And my coach one day looked into this, and my numbers were just exorbitantly high. Like, I'd rewatch our one game five times. And so there was a time he called me into my office and he's like, you're done. Like, you're done watching film. Like, we're not letting you do this anymore. 
Um, and so like, he was like, you're clearly overanalyzing yourself. And like, he could kind of tell I was getting to my own head because I'd watch film and I'd be like, uh, like, so now like the things I did wrong on film, I'd be trying to correct, but then I'd be overthinking in my own head during practice. And I just wouldn't be to the caliber of what I wanted. Um, and so for me on my own time, I was not allowed to film, watch film. And I have a coach, um, our defensive coach, especially. So he works specifically with me. He was so great because like our rule was, I was not allowed to watch film on my own. And when I watched film, it was with him. And he did a specific job of yes, cutting up some clips of what I needed to work on. But also he's like, and look at these like five clips of the great things you did during the game. And so he did a great job of really like seeing like, yeah, like you can watch film to criticize yourself and grow and, you know, look what to fix. He's like, but you also can look at film to see, like build that confidence. I'm like, dang, like I really did that in the game. Like I executed like, that's awesome. And the, his help of me to be able to help navigate that and understand like, yeah, like it's bad, but it's also good. And like, that's now how I look at film is like, so when I watch it, like I break it down and I look and I'm like, dang, like I like have it, like my mom and I Snapchat and like, I'll send her a video. I'm like, look at this pass I made. Like, that's so awesome. And like, my mom will send me back. She's like, yeah, it was like, we'll hype each other. Like she'll hype me up from it. But yeah, like I like always record on my phone, the great clips that I send it to my whole family. And so like, it really takes time for me to be like, yeah, like yesterday, even like we played St. Louis university. I'm from St. Louis. That was huge game for me personally and I got the game winning assist I have watched that assist about 80 times I'm gonna be honest but I'm like that was my moment like and I like have learned to like as much as like in years past I would have caught myself like yeah I got the game winning assist against SLU but like yeah we play Iowa State on Thursday and that needs to be my focus now like I said I'm like today I am celebrating the SLU game and I'm watching that assist 80 times because I can and so like I've definitely learned how to like accept and appreciate my accomplishments and use that through film. When Hawkeye assistant coach Drago Saranic set the parameters for Carrie's film watching, he single-handedly curbed her obsessive behavior. She says that those actions were exactly the reason that she knew she had found a home at Iowa. It means beyond words. I mean, like I said early, like this is one of the reasons I committed to Iowa is because I feel like so many coaches wouldn't do that. And I've said, I don't know that personally, but I had a, like the coaches here care. And just that time I spent in the guy's like his name's Drago, the time I spent in Drago's office, like he would like put his arm around me at practice. He's like, he knows I love coffee. We're both big coffee drinkers. And he's like, let's go get a coffee later. And so I'd go to his office and he'd have a coffee for me and we'd watch film. And the time that he took to build that relationship with me, like, like I tell everyone like Drago's my second dad. Like when I'm in Iowa, like I love this man and his family more than anything. But the fact that he took time out of his day just to understand what I need. And even now, like we did film him and I a week ago and he was like, now you need to tell me when we need to stop because like, I don't want you overthinking this. And so he understands like the pressures that I had put on myself. And yeah, it meant more than words that he could recognize what I needed and took the time to do that for me. And yeah, it just really solidified why I'm here at Iowa. Carrie used the momentum of her new approach to help lead the Iowa Hawkeyes to the 2020 Big Ten Conference Championship game. But that tenacity that she played with cut her season short at the worst possible time. I didn't get to play in the Big Ten Championship. Um, I had gotten a double yellow card in our semifinal against Penn State. It's devastating. And so that meant I didn't get to touch a field. It was the first Iowa game I didn't start in and didn't play any minutes in. And so I did not know how to act at first. Like I was devastated for myself. Um, I didn't know what that meant. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to, like for a second, I felt myself being like, I'm going to lose my starting lineup. The girl they're going to replace me with, she's going to play in the NCAA tournament if we win. 
And then I immediately, I snapped myself out of that. And I was like, dude, you're part of a team. And as much as your life might suck right now, your team is playing for the big 10 championship for the first time in school history. Like this doesn't get to be about you. And I remember the day, the practice before the tournament, like the girl that was replacing me, she was working on like the set pieces that I normally take. And this is the first time I really like realized how much I've grown as a person. Cause normally I'd be like, well, in the back of my head, I'm like, well, I kind of want her to mess up because that I get my spot back when I get to play on the field again. And I went over there and I was like, Hey, like try this technique different. Like, and we went through and I worked with her on all the spots that she was going to replace me on. And I remember for me, like just doing that subconsciously, I like took a second. I'm like, am I really doing this? Like, cause once again, back to my competitive nature, I was to be better than everyone else. I was to be the best. And so now I'm helping my competition. But it took me a second to realize, I'm like, this is my teammate and we're playing for a Big Ten championship. And I remember after we won the Big Ten championship and it was the girl who replaced me on all the set pieces who scored the game winner. And I was so happy for her. And I remember when she came off the field, like I jumped into her arms and it was this huge moment because I was like, wait, possibly my not selfish behavior was part of the reason why we could have won this game. And after we were all celebrating, I had a teammate, our captain came up to me and was like, I hope you know, like, this is your championship too. Like, though you didn't get to play in the championship game, like, you were part of the reason we went on this run and you helped us out. And like that moment that a teammate in the midst of celebration took time to be like, dude, like this girl, like helped us. Like it changed my mind of the fact, like I was a part of this Big Ten championship team and it was something so grateful. And it kind of like was a pivotal moment in the fact, like of how much I've grown as a person beyond just an athlete. Like, I remember when I first came off the field, I was just devastated. Like, I sat down on the bench and like, I was like, okay, like, how do I act now? Like, what do I do? Like, this is a scenario I've never been in. And like something within me just knew I needed to stand up and start cheering. So as much as I had like tears running down my own face, like I was like, go Hawks and like yelling. And like, it became a huge team joke now that I was like cheering through my tears. But in those minutes, like the girl who, you know, shifted over to my position, like I was like, oh, she missed that tackle. I wouldn't miss that tackle. Like, and I like, I made me feel guilt ridden because I was like, I didn't mean to get this scenario. I didn't mean to get the second yellow card. And I'm like, if we lose, like it's my fault because my team played the 10 and like, that's my fault. Even though in the end of the day, I, it wasn't in looking back, I can say like, you know, whether the call was justified or not, like there was zero intention to do that. And I was like scared of how my team was going to treat me. I was scared my team was going to be mad at me for having to put us in that position. And everyone rallied around me. Every sub that came off the field came straight to me and gave me a hug. Um, everyone was like, dude, like you're fine. Like this is not your fault. And just that support from my teammates that I initially felt when it easily could have been like, if we lose this game, it's Carrie's fault. It was dude, like we need to make sure Carrie's okay. Although judging on how her teammates embraced her after they realized that she couldn't help represent Iowa on the field, Carrie was still surprised to win a postseason award. Given to an Iowa women's soccer player, the Hawk Award recipient represents strength in the classroom, community, and on the field. Carrie, the lone underclassman to start on defense in 2020, was shocked to be among two upperclassmen for the award. It meant the world. Um, that award, to be blunt, normally goes to a senior who has had like a very strong career throughout our time at Iowa. And one of the co-recipients was Di Diane Sinkowski, who absolutely deserved it. But to be able to see, be seen as my teammates, as someone who represents them in all aspects, not just on the field, meant so much to be able to see that they saw me as a good teammate and as a leader in the community. And and all other things that I do, they like they want me to be the idealistic teammate. It meant the world that they saw my effort, not just in my play, but in everything else and how I live my life. 
Entering the regular season, now as a junior, Carrie continues to remain humble and determined to play for her own enjoyment. This season, she's already netted a goal, tallied an assist, and started all six games. There's been a big change in me, which is something I honestly didn't expect because I genuinely thought when I stepped on campus that I knew it all. I was like, no, I'm, I, they say you think you know it all as a freshman, but I actually do. Um, and so the ability for me to now be a junior and look back on my play and who I am as a person has meant so much because I feel like just over the time that I've had at Iowa, I've grown and whether that be my ability to make connections with people. I used to be such a standstill person. I do my own thing, I ride my own wave. And now like I genuinely have great relationships with my teammates and I hang out with them and I love them. And just the fact that I've grown so much in my vulnerability and my willingness to be open with people and share my own story and listen to others and not feel that need for comparison or anything. A lot of it's come with just a lot of growth and confidence in myself and knowing I'm here for a reason, but also understanding that like, not everything needs to be a competition. I used to be the kid that would take the game of Uno too seriously. Um, so I'm so happy with the fact that like, I know when to turn it on, but I also have learned when to turn it off and when's a good time to be a teammate instead of a competitor. And I feel like I've just grown so much in the regards of like who I am as a human, my maturity, my emotional intelligence and a lot of my beliefs. Um, I just read a book, um, Brene Brown, Rising Strong, and a lot of it um, was so much about like the power of vulnerability and one line in there that stuck with me so much is everyone is doing the best they can. And when you assume that, even if it's not true, but when you assume that everyone's doing the best you can, your life is so much better. You get rid of a lot of those angry things of like, oh, this person did this to me on purpose. Like she was doing the best she could. And so I've kind of changed the way I think by understanding that like, mistakes are made, but people are doing the best they can. That's the end of episode 32 of Closer Mentality. As always, I'm your host, Julia Millett. Thanks so much for tuning into Sam's story. We wish her the best of luck this season. If you want to follow her soccer journey at Iowa, and hopefully into the pros, give her a follow on Instagram at sam.carry. If you want to hear her full interview, the link to watch on YouTube is in the show notes. I'll be back next week with Dr. Mike Clark to go over visualization scripts and narrative therapy. But until then, see you next week.